I mean, I guess you don't. I mean, you won't be able to pour your wine out of the barrel if if the bung is clogged. So yeah. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. I'm Kevin. And I'm Mike Laserwalker. And it's time for episode number 246 of Video Games Hot Dog. <laughs> I got it right this time. The podcast we've done 246 of. We're joined by special guest, Mike Laserwalker. Hi, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Have you, have, have you gentlemen been? Good. Good. Kevin, you're back from your island getaway. I am. I, uh, I continued to island. I went to a uh, rum distillery and had a tour of their... Uh, facilities. It was actually a bottling plant, I think. Uh, Does the fact that elsewhere. you're back mean that your getaway was unsuccessful? Well, we already know that you didn't get away from recording this podcast. Hmm. Right. Uh, so, I mean, the, I think the idea of a getaway is that you eventually return to your regular life, right? Uh -huh. Do you think the idea of a getaway car is that you eventually go back to the bank <laughs> that you've just robbed? Well, well yeah, because you are going to put all that money? that money back yeah. in your, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <Right>. uh, yeah. <laughs> Once it's been cleaned, you return <laughs> it to the bank. Yeah. You take you it to the laundromat. Yeah, right. yeah. You can't file the serial numbers uh, off. <laughs> remove the UV dye. Yeah. I, I should ask my mom if they have the crazy exploding dye packs. Dye packs at her bank because you want to no, do I some sweet pranks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I want to rob that bank. They'll never suspect me. <laughs> wow. Could like if you could just like do paintball, but with with paint that didn't show up in regular light. Would people be pissed? <laughs> huh. right, so like how, how they know? Well, right? Can you I mean, give people a UV flashlight, duct tape to their gun, do a freestyle? Oh, yeah, that'd be yeah, good. Yeah. So you, what you could do is you could shoot people with UV paintballs that you didn't like, and then call the police and say that they robbed a bank, <laughs> right? <laughs> or after you rob a bank, you just go play UV paintball. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Say this isn't from those bills. I don't even know what bills you're talking about. What are you talking about? There's no such thing as money. <laughs> Everything is an illusion, man. Do you want to play paintball? If you think about it, all property is theft. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I thought about buying some postcards while I was in Barbados, but they were like at like individual postcard price. Mm. And I was like, I'm not going to buy, you know, 70 or whatever, 80. Yeah, you you ask what their supplier is. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. So here's a question. What are patreon backers who are receiving postcards would they like to get postcards from places that we travel to or is that stupid i don't know let us know the i was thinking thing is stupid kevin <laughs> well, so like why even ask so hagen rocks a restaurant that we like a lot here in san yeah. francisco gives postcards out at, just like with your check your check just comes with a postcard and it is a postcard of that amazing thing that we don't know if it's a photograph or a painting of okay. the like meat on the slab yeah. with, the, with the cutting board and the knives and it is this awesome thing that like to me looks like a photograph but it looks like a photograph that was from like a 70s math textbook or something <laughs> right because math requires that you slice up a meat slice to something up into different yeah into yeah. proportions yeah um but it's just something about the color, something about the way that the photograph is printed makes it remind me, so, like it just, it's like, you know how a smell will bring back a mood of a certain time in your life? Like this style of photography just brings back the mood of like looking at textbooks when I was a kid. When we you just, were a kid in the 70s? <laughs> well, no, when I was a kid in the 80s, but in a at a poor school that oh, had textbooks okay. from the 70s. All right. so still with all that old math. Yeah, yeah. still learning. Kevin. Yeah, it was pre-new math. And Kevin, can you tell us why... Um, the tilt shift stuff looks like miniatures. 
Uh, well, so see, he just gets mad because it's not really tilt shift, and you never get past that note <laughs> well, of the conversation. I, I want to no, hear no, this too. No, I tilt wanna... shift is totally it, like taking a tilt shift photograph. So, like, so a tilt shift. The notion of tilt shift is is a thing from large format photography where you ha- you can both tilt the lens uh, plane and shift it side to side from the film plane. Right. So normally the film and the lens are like parallel to each other the planes of those things are parallel to each other so when you are take a picture of something uh the depth of field is sort of in these parallel lines or perpendicular lines to like what you're photographing right so like it's it's always blurry until it gets sharp and then you see sharp stuff and then it's blurry beyond that uh, and so when you when you shift something, you can, you can, so what shift does is let you take a picture of like the, the front of a building, uh, without making it like do the weird sort of like, like without distortion. the photograph looking like what the building actually looks like right. to your eye. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause like if you look up, for it gets smaller as you get to the top. Right. So, but with a shift lens, you, you basically, uh, take a lens, which is like wide angle and has a much larger sort of circle of, of like illumination behind it than the film is. And you like get to the edge of that or whatever so that you can use more of the like capability of the lens to image onto the film and and when you do that you like actually get it like it actually shifts dramatically up sort of what you're looking at because you're like taking light from much further away Hmm. if you like look at the optics Hmm. when you do the tilt aspect to it you change the plane of the depth of field so you can like cut diagonally across an image, and so you like something over there can be in focus, and something like over here. I'm 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 indicating <laughs> visually uh, to an audience that's listening. So something like far to the left and near to the right uh, could be in focus at the same time, and then this sort of diagonal depth of field situation can happen, right? So when you're taking pictures of stuff that is small, you're using a macro lens. And one of the features of doing macro photography is that there's a very, very small depth of field. And so you'll take a picture of something and you'll get like a tiny little bit of, of area and focus. And then it gets dramatically blurry out like f- before and after that, even even if the, it's just sort of rectilinearly like in, in focus or whatever. When you use a, uh, a tilt shift lens and you skew the like line of focus, the the depth of field is so like jarring and, and extreme in a lot of cases that it has that same kind of appearance because you get something that's like in focus really far away. And then just everything else is like really far out of focus, which is what we've come to understand as like a close up like macro photography, which is why taking pictures of things with a tilt shift lens looks like miniature photography. Cool. Cool. Did you know that Instagram has, and I like, I forget the other day somebody was like but put a tilt shift on it I'm like you what post hoc yeah what does that mean my- it, I think it is just a filter that like Photoshop just, sharpen that, yeah that just bl- <laughs> no that just blurs yeah. everything like the opposite you, of Photoshop sharpen yeah. yeah it just blurs everything that's not the spot that you touch interesting I mean my- you can do it if it's like a Lytro yeah I've never played with a Lytro and I'm super curious that's one that what- takes a bunch of different images at a bunch of different focal no, depths the, right the the argument for what they're doing is they are they, it's called light field photography where they just capture all of the available light information they don't have a, a standard lens as you might imagine it they just sort of take they just record all of the rays of light that are coming in 
period. And then and then they're doing math to resolve the image afterwards. Huh. Mm. So, so instead you of could, like make like a lidar so like, map of the thing that you took a picture of, like actually tracing kind of uh, effectively. Yeah. Huh. And and so then what that allows you to do is after the fact change the <laughs> plane of focus and the like depth of field and stuff like that, which is a cool idea. Yeah. Um, I've not seen anything that's like really impressive with it ex post facto, but they have started doing Lytro uh, style video mm. cameras. And that I think does have a lot of potential. Well, cause they're like their whole potential thing. Potential take up a lot of VR disk space. Rigs, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, that, yeah. My phone has two rear facing lenses and so every photograph you take uh, using that that camera has additional information, and I think what they're doing is they're they're creating depth information from those two images. Is are they s- separated by about the distance of your eyes? No, it's it's just like a centimeter apart. Okay. Um, huh. Wait, that's your eyes are further apart than that. <laughs> <laughs> I. I just bought glasses, so I used to know my pupillary distance. Uh, it was more than a centimeter. I remember that much. Um, uh, and if you like edit the, these photographs, photographs you took on this phone in the like the editor that comes with this phone, there's a lot of um, it, you can do like fake depth of field stuff, and it actually works reasonably well based on the depth information that they're getting from those two separate images. I guess you don't need a ton of inf- of separation if you're just trying to get information. Like it, it's hard yeah. to do like actual human scale 3d rendering, but yeah. if you're just trying to get like a, a basic idea of stuff, that's not, is that camera exposed so you can make like a shitty connect AR game with it? That's a really <laughs> neat idea. I don't know. Is this yeah, your I've been new hoping phone or for some shitty connect games? Uh, Did you get a new phone or is this your old phone that you This is my old phone that I hate. Okay. And this is like the I, I remember tweeting like when I discovered this, like finally something about this phone that I like. <laughs> <laughs> finally a pleasant surprise. Now, the leap motion am I am I remembering this right? Leap motion is the thing that is like connect but for your hands. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that works uh, having two optical cameras. Two yeah. IR. Do you think it? you could do the same thing if you just had two iPhones and then one of those Game Boy Connect cables between <laughs> them? Would that count as having an iPhone with two cameras? Well, the iPhone already like has morally, two cameras. It has yes. one on the front and one on the back, which is... <laughs> oh. So they're just, also separated by about a centimeter. <laughs> so, I guess if you did one of those... If you, you just need a, those, a like, mirror set up. Right. Yeah, speed of light things where you're just spinning it really fast. Oh, yeah. Right. Then, oh, wow. Actually, that's kind yeah. of cool. Yeah. Like a Leslie speaker. A Leslie speaker? It's, uh, it's a, a sound, um, a particular like rock and roll sound where you, you run an organ through a speaker that is, um, the, the sound you hear is reflected off of a rotating, uh, up. I think it's, I think it's made of wood and it, it, it gives it a very characteristic, like pulsing sound. Hmm. Hmm. Is it L E S L I E? I think so. Is it just named after Leslie? Yeah, I, I presume so. Yeah, the inventor of the Leslie speaker. Yeah, yeah, like, but like if you listen to like rock organ, hmm. um, almost certainly you're hearing it through a number of effects because like the or, organs, especially like uh, the organs that that are used, you know, like that you would have in a recording studio, they have a very simple sound. Um. And so almost certainly they're running through a number of effects and that's a very common one. Mm. There's got to have been an electronic band that uh, named themselves speaker of the house, right? 
Jeez, I hope so. Oh, right. Wow, yeah. That, that seems like a that's pretty good. Such an obvious. Did you ever mess with a um I had a, a buddy of mine in high school who made a talk box oh yeah for a guitar mm. which was just some weird like it was just like a weird piece of tubing yeah that was then connected to something that was all covered up by duct tape that's exactly what a talk box is what is yeah, that what is a speaker you put it's a speaker um where the speaker is enclosed except for a rubber tube that comes out of the box okay so you can't actually hear except what's coming through this tube you put the tube in your mouth okay and then you record the sound coming out of your mouth and you can make whatever sound is going into the speaker sound like words. So where where does the weed go in this? <laughs> in your mouth also. So no, I'm, I I I lost you a little bit. So the, this where is the sound coming? F- it's in, coming into, out of your mouth. So no, you, the, you, the, so you, you're playing the guitar into an amplifier and yes. then you're compressing the sound coming out of the amplifier's speaker into a single tube. into a tube that is then in your mouth. And so your your mouth is the echo chamber. So are you does do you have like part of your mouth open and the yeah yeah the tube is kind of it's like you're at the dentist okay. and then it's. Instead of sucking the, the drool out of your mouth, right. this is making some sick Peter Frampton. So then you can noises. adjust the like shape of your mouth cavity to adjust yeah. the acoustics. To, to do you feel like we do? Oh man! You can ask your listeners if they feel like you do. A Peter Frampton at dentist would make a great YouTube video. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, it's too bad Peter Frampton's dead. I guess it's too bad everyone. We can't dead. make that video then. Yep. Do we have a elytra? Well, you could, he's still after dentist, technically. <laughs> like there could just be a film of his of his corpse. Uh, is this oh, forever? Uh, yes, Peter. Yes, it is. A elytra that's not just light, like capturing all the light from now. It's capturing all the light oh, from, from everywhere. Yeah. yeah so they nobody just, like, can they, see they, ever again. They turn the dial. They turn the dial too far. Yeah. <laughs> um. Gosh, guys, what what have what have we been up to? Uh, I drank a lot of rum. Okay. How was it? It was good. I only, I, I wanted to go to, to multiple distilleries on our trip, but, uh, the just hang out on the beach and read crowd, uh, overruled me. So Ugh, that's all we did. The worst. You can't, it's r- fine. Read I enjoy drink on the beach. Couldn't you have just gone by yourself? You can drink. You, I could have, I, but I didn't want to, like, you didn't go drink alone. I did not want to drink alone. Uh, you can drink on the beach, but it's not the like getting multiple distillery versions of of the sure did they have giant bushels of sugar cane in the distillery uh they did yeah there was a lot of sugar cane there was a lot of molasses which is what's there any whiskey or beer in the rum distillery i don't think so Mm. then you just don't care i don't want to go it's rum rum can be pretty good i i got some fancy rum if you ever want to try some fancy rum yeah sure isn't it just sweet and tastes like rum (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but it's like aged. So it's aged in whiskey barrels. Okay. That's what gives it its brown color. Okay. So there's probably a little bit of whiskey in it. So maybe you will like Fair it. Fair enough. So historically, where did the whiskey barrels come from? Did they ship over full whiskey barrels or empty whiskey barrels to these islands? I don't know. So apparently whiskey barrels, maybe, or wine barrels. One of the two can only be used once. Maybe mm. wine barrels. Uh, and so after they're done, like a bunch of other boozes, like use them to like age their shit. They just, it's the, they, they ship them back over to the whiskey manufacturer. It might be wine. It might be wine barrels. Cause okay, I think there's yeah. a bunch of whiskey barrels that are aged in like sherry barrels and stuff. 
So fun. maybe the barrels made it to the Caribbean by way of people like putting messages in them and throwing them into the sure. ocean. Real Use long this, this, rum. this like message is just made of yeah, whiskey. Yeah. Novels. Yeah. It's piles of novels. Did I describe how weird Barbados is sort of ge- like uh, geologically? No. Uh, so it is not a volcanic island, unlike all the other Caribbean islands. It is actually this tiny, so it is an island, right? But it is where the plates are meeting, being pushed up. But mm. it's like the, the beginning of like uh, what will eventually be some sort of giant long ridge of of stuff, right? Mm. Um, and so it's this, it's like just this little tiny point, which is uh, plates coming up and then a bunch of coral deposits that have been built up on top of that and like pushed up slowly coral that's now exposed to the wow there have been like four major uplifts so there's these different tiers of the of the island that are all do we know like what coral do we have timestamps on those four like just i'm just curious about a ballpark there are they're in the like you know hundreds of thousands of years yeah okay uh sort of each one um and so like all the water that like all the rainfall on the island like 60 inch rainy or like gets filtered down through that in has created all these caves under the island or it throughout the island or whatever and so they have a they have like a bunch of good aquifers that's all really pretty like pure water that's really a cool cave yeah we went on a giant cave i think i talked about that because i think i had done the cave tour before yeah we definitely talked about caves last time there was the the giant cave that was under underground see the sea and then the sea cave yeah which is and we gave them shit for there being underground caves but but like it didn't feel underground because it's like you can just see the rest of the world like you're above sea level which i know it can still be underground but it just it didn't feel like it that's all does every building feel like a cave to you? Kind of, yeah. That's, I mean, every building is kind of like yeah. a cave. It really, we're just sort of reconstructing the caves of our youth. <laughs> in the last motor. Starfighter. I, li- I sort of live in a mobile cave. <laughs> do, you, do you ever feel like this cave, you're just looking at shadows of reality? Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. I think of every building as more like a hat. <laughs> a, a hat for your entire body, right? Right, yeah, just it, it's something like twenty thousand gallon. It yeah. shields me from the sun. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, philosophy, uh, Quine wrote in a wrote in a, a conundrum for us. I guess at your urging. Jim. Oh, this was something that he had brought up in the Slack, and I was like, "Yeah, go ahead and." Okay, so this puzzle is known as Newcomb's problem. Everybody has oh, yeah. a super strong gut reaction to this puzzle, but half of the people who hear it choose one answer, and the other half choose the other answer, and everyone thinks the other side is crazy. Okay. Imagine that there is a room with two boxes in it. When you go in, you can choose either one box or you can choose both boxes. You get to keep whatever is inside. In an antechamber before the room, there's a computer that scans you and predicts whether you'll pick one box or two boxes. It's incredibly reliable. Tens of thousands of people have done this before you, and it's only been wrong once or twice. You have no reason to think it will be wrong about whether you'll pick one box or two boxes. You go into the room. You see the two boxes, box A and box B. The computer says, choose however many boxes you'd like. Box A contains $10,000. As for box B, well, while you were in the antechamber, I scanned you. If I predicted that you would choose only one box, I put $100,000 in box B. If I predicted that you'd choose two boxes, I put nothing in box B. You're in the room. The boxes are in front of you. The contents will not change. How many boxes should you take? So... I have a question. Do you know which box is A and which box is B? Yeah, they're labeled yeah. A. Yeah, yeah. Labeled. no, in, the, the, in... the question here is whether you feel like the... The question is whether you take the one that has... Just the one that has that might have $100,000 in it, mm-hmm. or whether you take both. 
the version right, because if you, you can take, also take B. Right, yeah, but why would you? The the, uh, the version the, because, I originally heard was that box A is transparent, and you can see it has a thousand dollars in it, and box yeah, and box and B that's guaranteed. is a, yeah, that's guaranteed. Yeah, zero and, or everything. Yeah, and and box B is opaque, and and you have been told by the computer or the space alien or whatever that if he has predicted that you will only take the opaque the opaque box, then the opaque box has a million dollars in it. Yeah, you take the opaque box. Like you take box B. You take one box, and it's box B, and that seems like right and pretty th- straightforward to me because then the uh, you're you're banking on the off ch- like you're banking that the prediction was correct and the prediction has almost always been correct right so, but, and the the trusting, is, you're it, trusting that you've been that what you've been told about the prediction has been correct mm-hmm. right i, I think the, if we're accepting this as a premise i think yeah, it's a more if interesting you, if conversation if you don't trust the model like what what data do you have to not trust it the the, counter- the data is that you can see the money in box a the, the counter argument is that if you take both boxes, you you get everything anyway. Right. Since yeah, but, since the, the box there wouldn't be anything in there since it probably predicted that you would take yeah. both boxes. Yeah. yeah no, so. I, I'm I'm with you. Like effectively, like the people. I wonder if this comes down to like a, a like belief or like a, like a trust of authority. Trust authority. Well, yeah. so it's the, the variant of this I was exposed to, like was a was a step one of here are the ten things you must understand before you understand Rogo's basilisk. <laughs> and the and the conceit was that essentially how does this machine know what you're going to pick? It's because it's running a bunch of simulations. Therefore choosing just box A is the right choice because you're going to then convince it in all of the other simulations that it should put the money in box B. Huh. So you're helping you're helping all you're of helping the other, other you. Other you. But but if other you is also having the exact same thought yeah i don't know <laughs> okay <laughs> effectively like, a lot, like these, a lot of these problems revolve around this understanding that like yes there are an infinite number of you in parallel dimensions but you're the real one <laughs> well you're the, <laughs> the one the that you one care you, about yeah well the you're yeah. the real yeah. in where you are some number of personalities that you're not really sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah depending on whether or not your corpus collapses so uh, effectively intact. a good enough predictor is effectively doing time travel so what's happening is by picking only one box you are causing that box to have that money in it Ooh. okay it it seems to me that picking both boxes means you're just getting the lowest amount because the computer is probably right in predicting that you're just going to get the low amount and given like I mean, if it was there's one cent in box A and there might be a billion dollars in box B, I feel like that probably changes the risk people's yeah. gut mm-hmm. feeling yeah. about it, the, the, which is why you kind of have to ignore that. Well, yeah, right? I mean, like, it's, it's essentially prisoner's dilemma. Whether you're choosing to listen to the computer is whether you're cooperating yeah. or defecting. Well, the, the counter argument that, oh, that I'm familiar with is more of a is more of a logical mathematical argument in that since since the contents of the boxes have been set and are not going to change taking both if if you take both boxes that means you get $100 or whatever's in box A more regardless of what's in box B because if you if you but if you take you are also then establishing the other you're the kind of person who would take two boxes right. well true true but the, but yeah, this is but this is an argument for math and not an argument from yeah. whether or not you accept. There destiny. was an article 
that I read that uh, was basically talking about how the how your child uh, grows up, the way your child turns out is based entirely on the kind of person you are and not at all on the kind of things you do while raising the child. Hmm. So you think you, your example of living is way more potent than your... Well, but no, your example is a thing that you do. <laughs> Right. No. I mean, all the things you do are are outgrowths of what you are, and so the things that you are doing because, like, specifically, if you do them to raise a child better, um, the 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 things you consciously do turn out to not have as much of an impact as the many things you unconsciously do. Yeah, because the things you consciously do are far smaller. The, I, I mean, I, I've definitely seen support of the idea that, like, growing up with books in your house makes you smarter and more successful in life, regardless of whether you read them or whether anyone reads them to you. Right. And that seems to support this. Like, if your parents are the kind of people who have but I mean, what if they're just... Okay, here's a question. <laughs> what if it's just fake, like... Like, uh, <laughs> Ikea books, the, just yeah. the backs of books, yeah. <laughs> Back, like just book the, shelves just that look the like spines it. of a bunch of readers that just condensed yes. books. What if, what if the computer tries to figure out if you as a child are going to try to read the books or not and populates them or not? Oh yeah. If you try to read it, if you, if, if it Good. predicts that you wouldn't try to read it, then the books are all blank because right. it just saves on so much ink that yeah. way. Processing power. A lot of it doesn't have to render my, them in my house growing up. Were those like readers digest style, like. A subscription book services. It's like here's a bunch of books about World War Two, and here's like a whole series about architecture. Is that like the equivalent of the the humble bundle of books? <laughs> kind yeah, of. Yeah. Like, you just want a bunch of books read for cheap. Just here is a bunch of books. Well, so I know if you're if you're a rich person, you go to the Strand in New York, and they will sell you color coordinated books for your bookshelf. Oh yeah. wow. I had a friend who sorted his bookshelf by color, and it was yeah. Really that nice seems looking. much more fun. <laughs> Just yeah. acquire the books you normally acquire, and then sort them yourself. I feel like ninety percent of the books that I buy are black. Are they little? Uh-uh. Are they full yes. of names? Are you, are you <laughs> yeah. buying yep. collections of phone numbers? Yeah, Is that I'm, just, what's happening? I'm just buying phone numbers from pickup artists. Right. Um, I have a friend who did IT work for. Um, the uh the biggest um like lingerie supply store in portland and so he ended up with like a hard drive as 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 a byproduct of this with the names and addresses and phone numbers of every stripper in portland every sex worker seems like a just a no no one person should have this this much power (laughs) well maybe that guy shouldn't I feel like no one person who it would occur to to do anything with that information should have that information yeah. is is really what's happening. If the computer predicted that you would do something with this information, these are actually the addresses and names of a bunch of undercover cops. <laughs> I, so are we all one box? I don't. Uh, I'm, so, I'm one box. I don't yeah. have a strong feeling about it. But it seems like I feel like we're all one box. Do we know which box, though? Would you? So would this you ever just you, take? Well, you a? brought up, but I didn't really it's, understand it. Like no any, reason that anyone, yeah, anyone would, would ever, ever just take a. Yeah. Well, so the so the one reason would be like trying to help. Oh, right, oh, trying okay. to help yeah, other. Yeah, if you're trying to, oh, if you're trying to wreck yeah. the basilisk, I guess. So I guess okay. So you you if you were going to just take a, you would obviously just take both because there's the small chance that it fucked up and you get you get a bunch of extra money. So you either take B, which is potentially zero money if it fucked up. This or, 
this is one of those like oh boy sleep that's where i'm a viking <laughs> things yeah, yeah where, does point nine 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 repeating exactly equal one right the man so this is if 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 listeners you have not read the like 900 comment metafilter thread about the throwaway line <laughs> from the simpsons where ralph wiggum says oh boy sleep that's where i'm a viking where the people divide into two camps one of which sanely and correctly <laughs> <laughs> concludes that Ralph is just making a the joke is that Ralph dreams that he is a Viking sometimes so oh boy sleep that's where I'm a Viking as opposed to the other camp that believes that Which Ralph love. is saying I love this sleep camp. is where I'm a Viking because he means he's good at sleeping <laughs> because wait what well, right, because they're they're interpreting the phrase "that's where I'm a Viking" as that's what that's how I'm that's something I'm good at. Yeah. Even though like, no one has ever say. used that maybe, phrase maybe that's, to mean that, maybe that's ever. a regional thing. No, nope. it's just it's just a weird like thing that I think I'm I'm guessing that like somebody just started that and everybody else was like, oh, that seems like a really fun thing to like to pretend people. to believe. Yeah. Well, but, <laughs> oh, like like bigger Luke. But because it became a thing that people argue about now, like I occasionally think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Viking at that. Right. Like, yeah, well, I mean, th that's the thing. Like this idiocy has created in me. Yep. A, a, a drive to use that phrase to yeah. mean that sometimes. Yep. The, the other, the other big one was, um, well, so there's the contentious argument about whether declawing your cats makes you worse than Hitler or not, which, okay. like, whatever. Uh, whether you sit or stand, sit or stand yeah, when you wipe yeah. your ass after taking a dump is yeah. another one where neither side can believe that the other side even exists. There's the one um, about a airplane taking off from a, from, oh, on a treadmill. From a treadmill. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, and about the helicopter on the turntable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing that I've been seeing a lot of lately is like variance on the trolley problem. Oh yeah, that's become oh, yeah. popular. Yeah. The there there are some good joke versions of that. Yeah. The, there's a trolley on a track. There's no one in front of it. Do you throw yourself in front? Of it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What is the actual trolley problem so there's a there's a train on a tra like a track uh it is heading towards like killing five people uh you have the power to throw a switch where it will kill one person do you throw the switch right and the question is like because if you do nothing like what, are, are what you did that guy what did that guy do wrong that he, like well i think it's it's about the through inaction, you cause five people to die versus through a conscious action, you're causing one person to die. Yeah. Right. And so are you somehow more responsible for the one person's death than the five people? Yeah. Right. And the, the other way to think about this is by pushing someone in front of the train, you can save the five people. Like it slows them down right. enough. Yeah, yeah there, that was there, like the alternate version. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are tons of different variations and balancing. So at the MIT Media Lab where I work, there's a group that studies this a lot in context of self-driving cars. Hmm. Um, right, right, right. It's funny in that you ask you ask a lot of people how they feel about this in context of self driving cars. They all say absolutely. Like if if the car is going to kill five people or it can turn into the barrier and kill the driver, obviously the car should kill the driver. And then you ask them <laughs> because would fuck you that buy guy the, for buying? Yeah. Yeah. Would you buy that? <laughs> car? And then you ask would you buy that car? And the answer is obviously no. Why would I do that? <laughs> yeah, no, no. What they're saying is it should be legally mandated. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, what do you what do you do, Mike? 
Um, tell, us, tell us about your work to the extent that you're interested in talking about your work. <laughs> I don't know. That is, that is a tricky question. I make things that I would probably call games. Some of them I might call toys. I don't know. Um, we, we've talked about uh, several of them on the podcast in the yeah, past. Yeah, Mike made What Have God Wrought, the telegraph game, uh, Hello Operator? Is that yeah. The, name of the, the, the switchboard one. Yep. We've um, talked about Chirp Club a little bit, I think. Oh, yeah, when it was still called Flappy Joust. Yep. Oh, I was about to bring up, and he made Flappy Joust. <laughs> right. Actually, Flappy Joust is the the seldom played two player variant. I have an I have oh, an arcade oh. cabinet with two buttons on it. That's a oh, one. Nice. That's a one button version. Uh, oh, was Trick Club actually a different game than Flappy Joust? Um, it, it was renamed from Flappy Joust to Trip Club, and then retroactively, the two player one button variant ah, gotcha. became Flappy gotcha, Joust gotcha, gotcha, because gotcha. it was two players jousting at each other. Right. right. I don't think it has existed anywhere outside of the physical place I work, because there is a single baby castle style plywood and duct tape cabinet. Right. Is baby castles a place? It's a state of mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they now have a gallery space on 14th Street. Um, and they're like, so that's New York. What yeah, did, New York. What did yeah. they have before that? Um, like their early days were just going to like underground punk shows and bringing these nailed together arcade cabinets to show to people who wouldn't otherwise play weird indie games. That's neat. Yeah. I think that's better than having a space. Yeah. I think, I think they've struggled a lot with how do you balance the identity of this weird DIY punk aesthetic with versus being a quote unquote gallery. Yeah. Hmm. You can host a bunch of punk shows there. I mean, that's what they do. Yeah. yeah you Perfect. Just let people barf on your floor and stab each other. Yeah, they do that too. You could make barfing games. Yeah. <laughs> and stabbing games. Yes. Stabbing's the bonus round. Right, right, yeah. Well, you know, there are a lot uh, there are a lot of games that I've played that I would describe as stabbing games. I don't know that I've played a lot of games that I would describe as barfing games. <laughs> I mean, have you used VR? Ah. You barf on a lava lord. This is how out of date my VR experience is. <laughs> right. Sorry, the one the one like Oculus demo like three years ago where you walked into a place and there was a lava lord and you barfed on him. It was snowing. So now you're at MIT's Media Lab. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, it's a weird gig. It's a corporate funded scientific research lab where I get to make art and weird games. Um, cool. Other than things like the switchboard. Yeah, does um, MIT own the switchboard? Um, yes. I think okay. we, 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 we haven't discussed who owns the, the physical actual hardware, but they... They are the ones who paid for it. Um, okay. They own all of my IP, but the result of that is everything I do is sort of MIT licensed or Creative Commons licensed. How much did it cost you to get a hold of that switchboard? We got a hell of a deal. Um, the switchboard itself was like three hundred dollars and three hundred bucks to mail it out from uh, Cleveland, Ohio to Cambridge. It should have been like over a thousand. Three hundred dollars to ship it anywhere. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think now. So to get it from. Cambridge to GDC was about a thousand dollars because we had to get them to pick it up and build a crate for it. Oh wow! And now, like shipping across country is five hundred bucks mm. because we have the crate already. <laughs> if we're going from a loading dock to a loading dock, it seems like once you like, I've got, I've got, I've had a pinball machine shipped cross country for like five hundred bucks. Like it seems yeah. like once you get above a certain size, it's just five hundred bucks yeah. to ship it. Like, is it five hundred bucks to ship like a car, a house? <laughs> I think I had a car shipped once, and it was about five hundred bucks. <laughs> Do they build a crate for it? At that point, they, they just have, disassemble they, it and put they, it in a crate, and then you get to put it together yourself like one of those Jeeps. At that point, yeah, they, they give probably you a bunch just, of Ikea wrenches. They probably just drive the car. Hmm. That would cost more than $500. I think yeah. they, they, they put it in on gas. one of those giant car, like the giant trucks that carry cars. 
Oh, yeah. Or they could just put it on top of another car that was already going oh, there. Yeah. That wouldn't cost that much. A roof more. rack? Yeah. yeah. You just put it upside down. You, you put a roof rack on each car. Okay. Just make a roof rack sandwich. Yeah, you go talk to someone in an airport who was already flying there, have them put it in their luggage. Or just put one piece at a time. Get Johnny Cash to put it in his luggage one piece at a time as he flies around. Attach, on attach a bunch of Velcro to the bottom of the plane and a bunch of Velcro to the top of your car. Right. Oh, yeah. And then just like go park on the runway. Yeah. <laughs> How do you park on a runway and run on a parkway? <laughs> yeah. So actually, the funny thing about pinball machines is when I was trying to figure out how do we get this across the country, there is a, a like a message board somewhere that's just full of people being like, Hey, I have a pinball machine. I need to get from Nevada to Oregon. Who's driving? <laughs> and like people say, yeah, I've got space in my pickup truck. Load it on. It's just like as a sort of a free network kind of thing. Yeah. I think like That's people might throw cool. in like 50 or 100 bucks, but I, my dad and I once towed a car from Arizona to Illinois for a guy, but it was like a friend of his. Who bought a car on eBay and was like, hey, wait a minute. I know somebody who lives near there. Are you coming to Illinois anytime soon? So they bought it like months earlier. I'm assuming this is a special vintage car and not just like, I need a Toyota. Yeah. So the car was an Acadian Beaumont. What? Right. Which just seems like there was a part of, I think, the Dark Tower series. Yeah. So this this is a car from an alternate reality. Slide into an alternate dimension where the things are just names of the cars are different. So an Acadian Beaumont was like a Canadian made Chevy Nova. Like, Wow. So it was just a Chevy Nova, but with a different name. And apparently they're like easier to find because of that weird name. Like people who like are buying up all the Chevy Novas for parts don't know that they also manufactured this other thing with a different now name. Now Chevy Novas also like there was another car that was also well known that was also the same. Well, it couldn't have been called the Nova in Mexico. Right. right. Now right. I really want to start a small business where I just have novelty car names <laughs> to replace whatever nameplate is on your car. Mm. We got the car almost to the guy's house and one of the tires blew out and the last like mile was just on the rim Ooh. and just destroyed it, which I mean, it didn't, it didn't care about the wheels. Right, so it wasn't important, but it was like twenty five hundred miles, and then the last mile, it's just—it's always a last mile problem. Yeah, it's a last mile problem. Um, was it near somebody's house? Because most accidents happen near the house. (laughs) Yeah, most (laughs) accidents within miles somebody's house. Yeah, that's true. People live everywhere. That's the problem. <laughs> that is the problem. No accidents ever happen on the moon. Yeah. Most accidents <laughs> happen within about six inches of the ground. <laughs> so do you just know people who are working on uh, on self-driving car stuff? You don't you do not do any of that yourself, or do you? Um, I, I do not. That's the, for the philosophers. Yeah. It's a problem for good old Quine. <laughs> what are, what are, so what are you specifically working on now? Um, I have... A whole bunch of various undo projects. Um, my my official research project that will officially be my master's thesis um, is looking at location based storytelling. Um, and so one angle of this is like there's a there's an artist named Janet Cardiff who does these audio walks. And so she has one in New York where ten years ago you'd rent a disc man from her, and she sort of wanders you through Central Park and tells you stories 
Um, and part of it is this amazing binaural positional 3D soundscape where you hear people talking behind you and you don't know is this happening in real life or is this happening in the audio yeah, neat. um and, and it, how what like what percentage of the population does that work on like presu- presumably it 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 presumes like a certain ear shape um i think so it it basically so the way the way you traditionally record the sort of audio um before computers is you literally have a mannequin right. head and two microphones um and so i think the the physics of like how you do that is rough enough that it works for most people um because okay. obviously like my head is not shaped exactly like the canonical recording mannequin right does it so does it require not just the two the sort of stereo microphones uh, and the audio coming from position but also the the vibrational interplay of the medium between them like to, to actually sort of simulate what the like the vibration that sound has yeah 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 it's like the, the core problem being that like you're if I hear something on my left side, my right side is hearing it mediated through brain and bone. Right. Um, okay. And like, but that's, but that's how you know it's on the left side is because yes. it's hitting your ears at different times, right? Like you have. It's, to well, be it's, able a, to, it's a combination of timing and the fact that that vibration is different in the right ear because it's, uh, it's like, getting filtered. Yeah. Yeah. And things behind you are slightly more filtered through your skull than things in front of you. Yeah. And there's like the there's like the cone of uncertainty. The only thing that you can you can position things auditorially based on just the time differential between your left ear and your right ear. What's crazy is that front and back those difference. There's a bunch of other ways that you then isolate where the things feel like they're coming from on that cone. Right. Because geometrically like that time distance only narrows it down to a cone. Right. Extending out from your ear. The neurons in your ear can't fire fast enough to detect time differences that small like the speed of sound across your ears so there's this whole like rig of parallel like neurons firing in parallel so that your brain is able to process sound differences that small it's a Mm. fucking crazy setup like (laughs) intelligent design am i right (laughs) obviously Um. yeah so the good news is we have now solved that and you can just use math to basically create that 3d position put, put the sound yourself. anywhere yeah. yeah that's awesome um but yeah so janet cardiff like the other magic of this is the way like when you go to central park you're sort of overlaying this fiction with reality and it changes your interaction with that space and so every time you come back to that part of central park it feels really different um similar to if you do experiential theater like uh the jejun institute of the latitude that were pieces that were like sort of immersive theater on the streets of san francisco and sort of change the way you interact with the city um, I've just never gone back to any of those places because I was so angry. <laughs> uh, yeah. I haven't been to the Sycamore since then. Is that it used true? to be my favorite bar. It, it wasn't my favorite bar, but I haven't been there since then. Huh. We should uh, post the that tell-all about the latitude. As part of the show notes. As part of the show notes, yeah. 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 So what's your thing? Um, yeah, so my thing is... How can we take that and like Janet Cardiff did this amazing work 10 years ago with static recorded audio. What happens when you add in a little bit of technology? Um, and so can we, can we take everything that video games have learned about interactive storytelling? Can we take all of the set dressing things that immersive theater like Sleep No More and The Latitude have learned? And can we give you sort of the app experience version where you go to a public space, you download an app on your phone, you put your headphones in. Here is an interactive radio play that shifts based off of where you're walking in the space, but also, 
you know, is it raining outside? Are you there in the winter or the summer? Is it a weekday? Mm. What are what are the arbitrary number of sensors we can get from the supercomputer you have in your pocket? So you could have the story branch depending on you going someplace versus going someplace else. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, and so, it's and, really the most awkward possible <laughs> way of describing. Like, the well, two, you could be following an audio, like a conversation between two characters, and one of them is like, I'm going north, and the other one's like, fuck you, I'm going east. Yeah, and then you yeah, decide so, yeah, which so one, one to follow. Yeah, like, like one way you could do this is what a lot of nerds on the internet call hyperdrama, which is the sleep no more model, like hyperdrama as in hyperlinks. So you have a bunch of characters wandering around, and you choose which one to follow. Um but we're currently playing with this, so it'll be a piece at a museum that you're part of a you're part of a museum tour. Um, but it's not about the museum tour; it's about the couple arguing in the back of the tour. Hmm. Um, and so part of it is you can follow them around and listen to their story. But also, as you wander around the rest of the museum, you get to overhear other people having conversations at the museum because that sort of voyeuristic aspect of visiting a museum is so enjoyable. And that's where we can give you this more dynamic, emergent narrative. Oh, we can be talking about works of art. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Okay. And that's where we can try to blur in, like, if it's raining outside and you hear the person complaining about how wet they are, that's where it starts to blur the line of, is this actually happening or not? Right. Or if you use the iPhone's onboard clothing and facial features recognition <laughs> sensors to make it so that people are talking about you while you're having the experience. Like, who's that creep with the orange shirt <laughs> and the orange beard? With the headphones uh, on inside the, the headphones on. Yeah. I don't think they ever actually did this, but there was a patent, I think, that Microsoft had to using the Kinect camera to figure out what your favorite sports team is based on the color of clothes you were wearing. I I bet that was super racist. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, yeah. Man. I've started noticing like just because suddenly I'm in a city where people really care about their sports team. All of a sudden, it's just everywhere. Like restaurants are just oh yeah, people just colors and things that aren't related. Like I keep seeing things that have clearly chosen the Golden State Warriors colors to like draw people to it, even though it's not Golden State Warriors branded or about it at all. It's just like oh, it's time to bring out the blue and yellow awning for our restaurant to just like. I guess make people come in here because they're like, oh yeah, that guy's good at throwing free throws. Well, do you think people consciously notice it or is it like a McDonald's yellow and red makes people hungry thing? Mm. Or yellow and blue are a good combination of yellow yellow and blue make people want to come to your hot dog stand. Yeah. Maybe they're always yellow and blue. I don't know. Maybe I'm just seeing it everywhere because I'm, I'm a such a golden state warriors fanatic. The the pattern that I keep noticing is that there's like, oh, suddenly there's a room full of people yelling next to me. It's like, oh, there's yelling again. I guess someone got more points than someone else. Every bar is terrible. That's the pattern I keep noticing. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, and also occasionally, like, the BART car I'm in fills up entirely with people all wearing the same hat. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, like... Well, that's often just... When there's a Raiders Raiders game, there's a bunch of people, like, just sort of in kind of creepy black and white face paint Waving scimitars around. That's... that's, 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 that's the gathering of juggalos. Right? Yep. Man, what if the gathering of the juggalos just took place on BART one year? <laughs> <laughs> that would that'd wow. be really smart. Save a lot of money on the menu. It'd be like a branching narrative depending on which route you <laughs> took to where you like Did I tell you about the photo shoot I tried to do on the the tea in Boston one time? 
Mm, oh, in the in, in on in, the train in, on the train. Yeah, like we, I finally like it took like fifteen minutes to like get it set up with some lighting and stuff, and like the, the idea was that the people were just sitting around a card table playing poker on the Bart train, and I wanted there to be like other people on the train and stuff like that, and I finally got everything set up and took like two photos and then uh, a Bart worker got on the train and kicked us all off and like how, how many how many Boston Tea Party jokes did you hear I didn't I did not hear any actually okay I know at New York Doug Wilson I think someone I think it was Doug Wilson used to run Assassin's Games on the subway or not I mean, Assassin's Mafia I mean Zach Gage You, you get the two of them confused. Yeah, continue. that was a joke from okay. last episode that I got Doug Wilson and Zach Gage confused right. because I think maybe their Twitter avatars are very similar. <laughs> They're just both the kind of person who would run Assassin's games. Yeah. Or, you know, so they run Mafia games and there were two games. And so when you were voted out, you would go to the next subway car down at the next stop and join the losers game. Yeah. Man, that kind of thing. It seems like the more... Trump as president, the less patience municipalities are going to have for that sort of thing. Like, oh, let's let's play that game where you just like yell about bombs in the airport. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, Trump is going to be president. It's going to rule politics. (sighs) (laughs) Mm. I, I saw an article talking about how all the news coverage from a traumatic event is more traumatic for the readers than the event itself was for the people. Suppose that depends because on the of, event. Well, it depends on the event and it depends on like how immersed the uh, people are in the news. But like I've, I've been saying for years that reading the news is bad for your health. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's how, how traumatic was reading that article relative to reading <laughs> the bad articles. That article made me feel like I've been right all this time. How, so that made you feel really good. How yeah. traumatic is it compared to reading the super shitty newspaper comics section? Oh, man. I haven't done that since I was a kid. They haven't got any better. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes was yeah, good. Yeah, I, I haven't read it since Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, yeah. Those days yeah. are gone. Get, I Fuzzy, Get Fuzzy's pretty good. Really? Yeah, I I remember Bill Watterson talking about wanting to go into other, you know, media, other media, and he just hasn't produced anything since then, except for apparently like one guest Kevin. strip on someone. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, it was like on what? God, what was it? It, it was, was like some a, like Pearls Before Swine or something like it that. It might have been. Yeah. I fucking hate. God, it drives me fucking crazy. I hate Pearls Before Swine, <laughs> and it drives me crazy how he mm. manages to like get everybody to like be guest authors and like friends of his like and how your uh, mother keeps giving you the books (laughs) yeah (laughs) so bad just never stops i don't know what to do didn't uh bill ammond also did something had something to do with that maybe too it was like a. It was like a week. Was it? Of, was it Bill Emmond or was it Zach Gage? It might have been. <laughs> it might have been Doug Wilson or maybe Eric Eberhardt. Okay. Um. Hey guys, do you want to do you want to take a little trip to uh, nihilism corner with Uncle Werner? Let's oh, do it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I mean, no. So, <laughs> this <laughs> nine nine. Hallo, es gibt Nihilismus-Ecke mit Onkel Fana. 
So, so this week, how, uh, how are you? Are you going to put the music in in post? Yeah, of course. We don't get to no, hear I, it. Okay. Well, no, I, I've, I'm not going to play it into a microphone. No, that would be it, so good though. Made a theme song. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this week, I watched. I've been watching. Uh, I've decided I'm just going to watch every Werner Herzog movie. I'm going to figure out what that means in reverse chronological order. <laughs> no. Um. So I decided to. So what I, I, I my my plan was to watch Fitzcarraldo this time. I wanted to watch something that you had seen and didn't like and something okay. from his like sort of early work so that I could, you know, kind of, kind of split it up. Like, because just in case, like what if his old stuff all sucks and his new stuff is all awesome? I don't want to like, you know, shoot my Zogwad right. all, all at once in the beginning and then just have like a... But you could just also lose interest when it got bad. A boring stuff. project. No, 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 come on. I've okay. committed to this. Right. Um, but then... We, it was like 10.30 and we were looking at the movies and Fitzcarraldo It was like two and a half hours long. So like, all right, no. So what uh, what we watched was The Enigma of Casper Hauser, which was like an hour and a half long uh, from 1974. And it is just a dramatization of the story of Casper Hauser, which I'm going to link the Wikipedia article in the show notes. Like I had read this a few years ago because there's that sketch comedy group in San Francisco that's named after Casper Hauser. This kid shows up in this German village saying that he had basically been imprisoned in a small room and had never spoken to anyone else ever. Didn't really learn to talk or read or write or anything except to write his own name, Casper Hauser, and to say that he wanted to be a gallant horseman like his father before him. Either And then he had a letter that was supposedly from his father that said, either let him into the cavalry or hang him. And a letter from his mother that was in the same handwriting, later believed in real life to have just both been written by him. The movie is, it is like glacially paced, like you would expect a sort of 70s art film to be, but it is super super accessible it is not hmm. there's nothing like weird or alienating about the presentation of it it's just very very slow and very deliberate and there's a lot of like there'll be like just a you know there's like a minute of just like a kind of out of focus shot of some trees to just like let this <laughs> sink in um it's it's kind of like I looked up when this movie fell in time relative to Jonathan Livingston Seagull because it reminded <laughs> uh-huh. me of that sort of like K-Pax or Starman. And then we got to talking about this and like also like powder phenomenon, like the sort of like trope of the childlike man brought into modern cynical civilization eventually chewed up by it, but everybody learns something about themselves. We sort of, we're discussing Amelia and I like that, Neither of us could think of a case where that role had ever been filled by a woman, except the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, where uh, it that's absolutely what that is, except even in that what about case, unsinkable Molly Brown. She's the I don't I've never I don't know what that is. Uh, she's the one with her shit together in oh, huh. that show. Right. So that doesn't escape the like the like women being locked into like super just powerful trying to have it all hyper-competence thing, like, that that you can't get away with a female character just kind of being a fuck-up. Or it's really unusual, like, in, in your bridesmaids or whatever. But, th- so, 74, and it's, like, this guy basically being a child educated by 
And where it differs from all of those things is that everybody in the village is just really nice. And like, but like nobody really tries to exploit him until the very end when they're like, yeah, you know, it's like you're costing us a lot to feed you and stuff. We're going to put you in a circus sideshow. And so mm-hmm. there's like a weird circus sideshow. He's like, I don't like this. And then that kind of thread ends. Um, <laughs> it, the, the, it gets Herzogy at a couple points. Uh, the main one being like, there's an exchange between him and the and the sort of like clergy where it's basically like Herzog you know, and the clergy. No, between <laughs> okay. Hauser. And the, okay. Herzog does not appear in this one. Uh, where Who knows? He, he basically is like, Hauser. <laughs> right. I know that I have effectively only I was born yesterday, but I'm still pretty sure that religion is bullshit. <laughs> so like, so there's that as the kind of central mm. message that we take from him. And then he also like, so then he goes to live with this scientist. And the scientist keeps trying to convince him that apples do not have consciousness, and he keeps arguing that ha- they might, and th- nothing that the scientist can like contrives to prove that apples don't have consciousness works. Like they just keep like taking Dude. a weird bounce, and he, he attributes it to volition. So it so that's weird. Just ask the apple. <laughs> Are. <laughs> So then they, so then the, the story of Casper Hauser in the movie ends the way that it does in real life, which he just gets stabbed and nobody knows by who or how. And he dies. And then they, they, they do uh, an autopsy where they determine, ah, well, one of the lobes of his liver is oversized and also his brain is slightly misshapen. And then it ends with uh, this dwarf who was like one of the weird bureaucrats. There's sort of some comic relief bureaucrat characters that just have to write everything down, and the dwarf is like a notary. That sounds just, hilarious. The dwarf just walks down the street saying, well, I guess we solved the mystery of Casper Hauser. His liver and his brain were weird. <laughs> <laughs> like the end. So th- the music is still going, by the way, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, it's been on repeat the entire time. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, that that whole story was just my signal to put the music in, and now it's time for me to start talking about the movie. Right. Anyway, it's good. I like. I really enjoyed it a lot. Okay. The actor who plays Casper Hauser is so good at just being a convincing weirdo. There's a scene. There's a scene where they're like trying to figure out whether he's a fraud or not by just having a guy swing a sword at him over and over again, and he's not flinching. And they were like, "Yeah, if he was like a hard-boiled swindler, he would have." the ability to experience fear and he clearly does not so he can't be he can't be scamming us whereas modern takes on the real casper hauser seem pretty convinced that he was just a scam guy so he was an adult he was like 16 according to the letters that he arrived with and then what, like what like time frame was this 1820s okay um and he lived but he, like he could speak fully formed sentences and stuff. I don't know in reality. In the movie, they basically like taught him to speak like as though he were a child. Okay. He knew a couple of he knew horse, and then that phrase, "I want to be a gallant horseman like my <laughs> father before me." Um, and you see, like an old man releasing him from his bondage and tr- like coaching him on how to interact with these people and then abandoning him in the town and then that man comes back and stabs him like in the, in the what? movie but that's not you know I don't know what that's based on Werner Herzog's own feelings about what must have happened there huh anyway it 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 was an interesting like proto take on that story 
the story, you know, the classic story of Cape Axe. <laughs> I I find it interesting that you like connected all of those as having a similar theme because I don't know that I would have come to that on my own, but I can sort of see where you're coming from. Phenomenon is the weird outlier because I mean it that that's a little different I think, but like like brain tumor versus aliens but everybody already knew him and they did like he was a sort of childlike and nobody paid attention to him and then he got really smart and nobody paid attention to him so that i mean phenomenon is more flowers for algernon yeah like but even that like i feel like the main character in flowers for algernon starting off childlike is what informs the rest of the story Right. right. It's the way that the way that other people treated him based on that and and that's the only thing that like makes it tragic um but i guess he doesn't really get exploited i guess there's not always the exploitation a lot of times there's just like misunderstanding i mean like in the case of powder i don't remember i don't know that i've seen powder actually oh you'd, you'd probably like it it's it's a lot of it is cast into a weird light by the later revelation that the director is a pretty serious like young boy enthusiast hmm. um but I don't know. I like. I it like was a movie that came out when I worked at the movie theater, so I saw it like everything, and like it was. What about Elf? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Et. Maybe. C- can you think of any other one where it's a woman in that role? Uh. Uh. What is the? It's like. What not about charmed? The- What's the one with like with um. I don't know, like the fairy tale, it's like Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella comes to like New York. Mm. Mm. I feel like the the Uh, manic pixie dream girl is kind of like that on a small scale. Yeah, maybe. I guess like big cities. Like that's uh, like saving a person rather than saving a community or something. Coming to America? Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I guess like, I guess. slickers. Sure. In reverse. All I can think of is Zach Barth. What's the guy from ER? Zach Braff. Zach Braff. Wow. Okay. So that was pretty close. So like Zach Braff. Zach Braff sort of brings the cynical sensibilities in Garden State to the childlike Natalie Portman character, whose perspective teaches everybody something about themselves. Right. Uh, But yeah, that's not. There's never like the where did this weird woman come from? Splash. Quantum. Quantum Splash. Leap. Yeah. Fuck it. Yes. Okay. Quantum Leap. Nice. Is like well that done, Riff. Every time, yeah. and sometimes he plays a woman. Oh, yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> that's okay. That's true. Splash is exactly that story, though. That is, that is, that was a great pull. Uh, short circuit. He's okay. <laughs> but I think that rope, I mean, Johnny, it's, eh, I think that's a man. You're gendering robot. the robot. <laughs> well, okay. Fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> that so was this not. is river, river and firefly. Okay, hmm. okay, yeah. yeah, a little bit. She also beats everybody up, as as simple people do, right? <laughs> it's the liver. Yeah. Any 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 Joss Whedon written woman. Hmm. Slash is good though. Yeah. That's a- yeah. I had not thought about that movie in a really long time. I watched that movie a lot when I was a kid. What about Mannequin? Or whatever that one's called? Yeah, I think that is what Mm. it was called. Is that the one where a mannequin comes comes to to life life. and it's Kim Cattrall? Yeah. 
I can't remember. I, I, it has been, you know, 25 years about, since I've seen that or whatever. So I'm just thinking about weird science now. Yeah. That fucking thing. Yeah. But she's like super knowing and oh, yeah. Right. Like she kind of brings. Yeah. The she's very to their dorky. Very savvy. Yeah. So kind of like Xanadu. I don't remember how much she knows or doesn't know. Or how much sense it even remotely makes. I don't think I actually know the story of Xanadu. <laughs> I mean, except it's where Kubla Khan, a stately pleasure dome, <laughs> decreed. But then Olivia Newton-John showed up and rode in a circle around him thrice on her skates. Yeah, she was like um, a Greek muse who was from Australia. Okay. I, okay. There, there was a port of Xanadu to the Famicom, and it was called Fazanadu. Fazanadu, yeah. <laughs> ah, hey. It was like a sequel. A movie though, right? to a I actually don't know. I, th- I've, I keep hearing Retronauts talking about Fazanadu as being a sequel to Xanadu. I thought it was a port. Mm. Hmm. I could be wrong. There was a great Xanadu musical where they were on roller skates the whole time. Hmm. Has anyone played any video games? Mm, I'm at the last boss in Dark Souls 3. He's how long have you been how there? do you know that it's the last boss? Uh, just from absorbing information about the game from from uh, Slack Extra- and places external like sources. That. Okay. Yeah, well, but also it is the events that occur that take you to him are pretty final. It's there's there's definitely that sort of. Are you Lilu Dallas? Oh yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Okay. Are, are that's you- okay, even though it's not the story isn't centered around her. Because it's... You don't it's, think it is? Yeah, I mean, it's centered it around everyone's, Bruce Willis. Yeah, but everyone's after her, right? She's she's the MacGuffin. She's the MacGuffin, she's the MacGuffin. yeah, but also the... Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt. I just no, that's... that's, that's cool. I'm also... My brain is also churning in the yeah. background on that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, in the same way... I guess in the same way that Splash is about Daryl Hannah, The Fifth Element is about... Uh, was it Lucy... There's like a, a recent movie where a woman like develops. Oh yeah, she learns to use the remaining ninety percent. Yeah, of her there's brain. like there's like a counter in the corner, which is like the percentage of her brain that she's like getting access to or whatever. Oh. Yeah, so I guess the 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 when they turn out to be really dangerous, they are women. It's like Firestarter. <laughs> okay, is is one of those where it is a literal child. But I mean, also the Iron Giant is is that story, but with you know, space lady instead of Earth lady. Or uh, crap, what is that movie that I hate? That's the time travel Looper. One. Yes. What the the kid? You know? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. Sorry. That's, mm, mm. <laughs> that the the whole telekinesis aspect Sub, of that subplot didn't, of that didn't need to be there. Sorry, you're the last boss of Dark Souls 3. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, it's so, a mermaid. Yeah, <laughs> secretly also a gun. So, yeah, are, mean, are you you're stuck there? How long? How many attempts have you made? So much that I'm stuck there. I made like a half a dozen attempts, and I put it down, and I just have not had the really excitement of going back to it because he's. I mean, it's a tough guy, but he's just a guy in armor, and he doesn't really have any personality. I mean, if you've been paying attention throughout the game, you can kind of see who he is, and he kind of has some cool moves that reflect that, but he's just not very interesting, especially coming off of Bloodborne, which 
depending on which of three bosses you consider to be the final boss, either like the the regular final boss or the actual final final boss or the DLC final boss. Yeah, and and all in Dark Souls, are, the final boss is is all personality, basically. Yeah. Like there's almost nothing to that fight except what you, the, except the character that you've been learning about yeah, the whole game. Yeah. And and like the DLC boss in Bloodborne is fucking fascinating, and he was hard as balls. But I was excited to keep fucking fighting him because he was so cool and weird. And <laughs> yeah. this guy is, is just a guy. Well, no, he well he kind of screamed. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the wittiest one-liner yeah. in, in a way. But this guy's just what, a what, guy. Wait, what way is that? Have so little interest in pounding my head against the wall until i managed to beat him yeah can can you leave can you go yeah, to other I stuff mean, i could leave or i could uh i i could uh um uh, like summon help against it but it's like the last guy and because i've been recording this footage for a future let's play i i kind of don't want to summon people to yeah. help just so that the let's play is cool but man i'm just having a lot of trouble getting motivated to turn the PS4 on and finish this. But is a cool Let's Play that never gets finished really cooler than a lame Let's Play that's eventually released? Uh, uh, the moral quandary. Pretend that you are an alien who's learning about <laughs> that's right. the world. The first half of this Let's Play is transparent and contains the good parts of this game. <laughs> eventually, you have to ask that alien yeah. whether he pushes that person in front of the trolley to save the other five people or not. <laughs> yeah, what would K what would K-Pax do? Like, how would K-Pax, how would Jonathan Livingston Siegel approach the trolley problem? He's like, I'm a bird, I don't... <laughs> you would fly in front of the train. Yeah, I don't have trolley. We just fly where we want to go. Like, what's this? So you shouldn't have invented this trolley in the first place. You've created this problem for yourselves, society. <laughs> uh, but yeah, pretty much. Other than that, and like making my way through Pokemon Platinum, it's been it's been that and work has been pretty much it. What about you, Kevin? I played a, a game on my phone called Blocko. Which is uh, I, I did play a little of that actually. Yeah, it's it's the I forget I, I don't know if there's like a term for the kind of game that it is, but it is you are moving a box around a grid space, and you when you hit an obstacle you stop, and you're trying to get it to a particular location. Oh, um, I'm thinking of something else. So it, is this like a Sokoban like game or what is the difference? You, like ice so level Sokoban on ice. Yeah. yeah you're not, oh, there, okay. there so are no like, like crates okay. that you're pushing or anything like that. You're just trying to, yeah, like when you, when you, yeah, you move entirely. Yeah. You move until you, until you, until you get something. Okay. Yeah. So it's ricochet yeah. robots. Sure. Well, that's cool. Is, there, like there isn't a game that is like the Sokoban of this style of gameplay to name the genre. After, yeah. Right? So and yeah. so it's the level design is like not amazing, uh, but it's fine. And they add like sort of each tier of levels adds a new mechanic, and that makes it more interesting and explores that for a little while and then there's like a new set of levels that has another mechanic and then they just sort of keep adding them into the mix oh it's um, a pudding monsters yes <laughs> pudding monsters is great yeah pudding monsters is a good game that's a really good game 
Uh, I'm sad that that apparently did not do well enough for them to ever add more levels or... No, or make a Pudding Monsters 2. Yeah. Did you ever play it was this old game? It may have only been on old, like, Shoebox Max, but it was called Darwin's Dilemma, I think? Mm-mm. Hmm. It was this thing, you had a field full of icons <coughs> of different animals, uh... And you and your guy was a little Charles Darwin head that that you could move around freely, but when you bump into an animal, it slides forever in that direction until it either hits the wall or another animal, and then it stops. Unless it hits an animal that is the same animal as it, in which case those two icons merge and become the next animal up the evolutionary chain, and so you're trying to clear the entire board by by making all the pairs in the right order so that they evolve down to a single animal and then the new the new board appears with more animals on that level of evolution as the one remaining one and the one remaining one is still there but it it, it, it uses that same sort of sliding pushing the ice block mechanic I've not played it that sounds cool though yeah, yeah it, it sounds like Triple Town or threes at least a decade before its time. Yeah, yeah, it kind of was. Did you guys ever? I must have brought this up before. There is a there is a class of game that I'm I'm played mostly on my Palm Pilot when I had a Palm Pilot briefly in like two thousand one two thousand two. Um, so on that, I played a shitload of Mill Burns. Which there was just a really good port of that, so okay. like I just dug a hole in the screen on the <laughs> place where that deck of cards was with the stylus. But this other game, it is played on a grid, and there it starts out with a bunch of just basically different icons on it, and your move is to take one of those icons and move it to anywhere on the board that it can get to. By, like, sliding horizontally or vertically. After you make a move, it drops a bunch more icons on the board at random. So it clutters the board up. Unless you get three of the same icon in a row, at which point you get a free move. Like, it clears those three and you get and you don't get any new pieces dropped. And so it's just, like, tactically moving things around, changing the board state both for your current move, for future setting up rows and for leaving gaps where you might need to move other things. I don't remember what it was called. The strings of bell. Like I definitely played it, but remember nothing about it. Yeah. Just like weird one-off puzzle game. Did you also have a Palm pilot? I I had a handspring visor. <laughs> knock off Palm Pilot. No, it ran Palm OS though, right? Yeah, it ran Palm yeah, OS. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder I bet I could just find like classic Palm OS games and just get a Palm OS emulator and yeah. play some play some of that sick monochrome mill burns. <laughs> if not, I bet you could get a real one for like twenty bucks on eBay. Yeah, that's probably true. Palm OS used this proprietary like am I right here? You you had to learn this. You'd write yeah, graffiti. Programs in graffiti. Yeah, that was what I was th- the word yeah. I was trying to think of, like this proprietary way to write letters that yeah, yeah it was and just they like, and, and they hadn't yet nailed down the idea of a virtual input device, so there was a dedicated graffiti area that couldn't that didn't actually display things. It was just for text input. Right. Yeah, it was just like a little touch, like a stylus touch screen. Yeah. Y- you know, it was pretty easy to learn. Like the, the, there was the like letters a s- were like 
close They're enough to mostly English. mostly just the letter yeah. yeah i wonder if i would just start doing it again if i tried because I, I don't remember yeah a lot of it yeah but because it was mostly just like for things that were potentially ambiguous. I remember thinking how dumb it was. I was like, I have a notebook. What the fuck is this? Like, how is this going to ever be useful? <laughs> I found it like indispensable for like at the time when I was in college, just like keeping track of like mm. being there and just keeping track of like stuff that I had to do. And, you know, I had a planner. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you just always had it with you. Like, mm-hmm. the Poem Pilot, I wasn't going to lose because it cost, like, 300 bucks. Right. You know? And you could play games on it while you were shitting. You could play Millborns <laughs> right. while you were shitting. I had a planner. <laughs> <laughs> you use it to wipe your ass. Right? Yep. Well, what are you going to use with those old, oh, those old days? <laughs> right, know? yeah. It's, it's the, there, there must be an iOS Millburns. I would... Still, just yeah. You probably shouldn't download it. Play it every once in a while. Yeah, uh, I played. I guess I also, there's also the the Hearthstone uh, Tavern Brawl, which is new to me. Yeah. It, it. So this week it is a. Uh, you start off with maximum mana. Yeah. So, so you just build yeah, decks. Build decks around. Fundamentally changes your like deck construction. It's good. This is going to be a good one for just polishing off quests, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's great. I think it'll also be interesting to see, now that people can play the old gods cards, like, yeah. are, are, are they going to turn one, play an old god? I mean, you yeah, can. you can. They don't, yeah. they mostly are designed to be played late game, yeah. so they don't, you don't get much don't utility much. out of them. But the the first thing I did was make, like, a just, like, a serious Cthune deck and try to get that out there but then that turned out to not actually be super effective so it's i feel like the yeah like making something where you get a lot of card draw is yeah helpful uh what was the other sort of having a lot of legendaries is really valuable (laughs) because they're expensive but super powerful yep yeah having the one i had the i was trying to complete a priest quest and i had the I had opened the Grand Tournament Legendary that was every time you use your hero power, it summons a random Legendary. So, oh, like, wow. getting that out and then still having the mana to do the hero power on the first turn was pretty helpful. Yeah. So that that yeah. gets, you know, it's either great or it's not. Right. You know, being able to cast a mind control first, first turn. turn is pretty good. Yeah. Bloodborne, Bloodborne, Bloodborne. I could just go to the bathroom. What? Uh, no, you can't. You're not allowed. You uh, have to sit here and tolerate this. All right. <laughs> That's it. Play, did you play any more Imbroglio? I have not. I kind of, like, I unlocked everything and, like, I feel like I'd have to spend a bunch of time actually thinking about board layout to feel like I was actually doing something other than just aping somebody else's board. Yeah. And I kind of just stopped. I, I'm so close to unlocking the fourth character. I got like eight stars away from it or ten stars away from so it frustrating. today. Yeah. Uh, it's still a fun game. It is a fun game. I I, I kind of just wish that I didn't get to see other people's boards. Mm. I kind of wish it was like a secret. Maybe that they could share with people that they wanted to or something. But it just makes the game too... What I like about easy. it is I... I find this game infinitely harder than 868 Hack, and I think if I didn't have that level of accessibility, I think it would be too much for me. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I would I would have lost interest a long time ago if I couldn't just be like, oh, how did this person make this work? Because you still can't do it. 
<laughs> like, well, but like, it is okay. So it is a little bit of fun to take somebody else's board and figure out why it's good. But then once you do, I think you kind of just have to play it a bunch of times until you get the right, like, lucky initial starting conditions where you actually level up the right weapons without dying and things start falling into place. Yeah, I, I don't know. What are you been playing, Jim? I'm just waiting for Tom Francis to come out with his Imbroglio clone so I can play it. It's he, like it's available for people to play. You oh, just don't it? want to play the dev version of it. No, oh, I didn't. I thought it was just wasn't out yet. No, he's you been can just he's been ask like, him for it and he'll oh, do okay. it. Too. Yeah, yeah it's, he puts links to it, the the executable on Twitter. So. Oh shit! Yeah, I, I'm Morph just following too many people Morph is the problem. Blade. I just, Morph Blade. Yeah. yeah, I've seen him talk about it. I haven't seen any links. Uh so. After co-working at the Maid, I've been playing Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, hmm. Do they they have one there? Yeah, they've got a couple like a, of metal hard pad metal pads. Yeah, which that is a great game. Yeah, yeah. I I really like it. I, it's it's uh, I've still got like I I'm not like in the physical shape I was back when I played it about a lot. You know, ten years ago. Um, but I've still got the, I can still read the notes. Mm. Um, and so like, there's a, I, I, I can, I can play in short bursts, basically the, the really strenuous stuff. And then I have to fall back to the, the, the songs with fewer feet, but it's really, yeah, it, it really feels good. Like just being in motion, being coordinated as someone who, you know, grew up entirely, my, like my life was entirely orthogonal to like athleticism. Right. That was my first taste of that idea. Do you, is it one of the ones that has the like bar in the back? No bar, no bar, but there are two metal pads next to each other. So hypothetically I could start doing that. Oh, the doubles, the doubles. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which I, I've I, seen people do that and don't understand. I imagine it's just an entirely new yeah, skill yeah. set. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible to think they went and designed another four sets of step charts for every song for that <laughs> mode that no one plays. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, like, I just really, there's something also about the kind of music that ends up in that game that is really amazing Victory. to me. What is that? What is, it's just like weird Japanese techno that yeah. you've never, I, I think it's just like all Konami employees. A lot of it, yeah, for sure. A lot of it is Konami people. A lot of it is like dance mixes of other song of like pop songs. Um, there's definitely like a a structure and a tempo that like because you can only play this game for in short bursts. Every song is like less than two minutes long, usually more like ninety seconds. And so, if it's a pop song, it's usually condensed to like oh, a verse and two choruses. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. I I bet you. I don't know this for certain, but I bet you like eight out of ten of them are the opening or closing credits to anime shows. Musics. <laughs> it, it it does sound like that. Yeah, because that's it's, just it's about definitely that length. style. And I, I I remember like when I was writing the music for the DDR section of Frog Fractions. I posted on like a music theory subreddit, like, what do these songs have in common? Like, how do you make songs sound like this? And no one was like, I didn't get, didn't really get a good response. So I, but I, I think there's just the number of like, uh, 
production tricks that they all have in common. Yeah, I think it's an orchestration thing rather than a like chord progression or melody structural thing. Well, I think it's both. Hmm. Like I, I, I definitely like, and and it's also shared by the um, anime theme songs, like you were saying, Riff. Yeah, like it's super the the density of ideas like musical ideas when when the song is going so like they're usually up tempo mm-hmm. and they're very short um and so you can get a lot of musical ideas in a in a sh- small amount of space that uh, of itself i think is inherently thrilling to me hmm. um did you ever play flash flash revolution a little bit so, i mean just the same sort of thing but with four keys and like i feel yeah. like those songs were not licensed and so they did a bunch of stuff in there like some of it was like actually songs that i recognized was it like were they like the full version like the five minute uh five minute songs from the radio that maybe you just played yeah. along with yeah there was a little of that if you got into the step mania community the like open source ddr clone right um, where it also gets really weird with people designing very very hard step charts to be played with fingers right yeah oh huh yeah, I remember there was like a game, there was a really high rated game on Congregate for a while that was just like WASD Dance Dance Revolution hmm. that had like obviously a tremendous amount of community support behind it. I don't remember what it was called. It's like Rock Lunatics or something. Like <laughs> it was a dance music freaks or some <laughs> like something like that. It struck me as. I don't exactly understand why it was so, a thing. Like Guitar Hero is a similar idea. Yep. But the the songs are almost all like recognizable. Uh, it, it makes an interesting comparison to um, Guitar Freaks. Yeah. Which was Freaks? it was by it's by the same people as DDR. It's by by Bimani the okay. the studio that and it's it's like Guitar Hero but um, it's just three buttons. And it's all, like, DDR-like music. Okay. Yeah, it's DDR with a guitar controller. Okay. What and was that Cube game? They had one at California Extreme this uh, year. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember the name of that. Jubeats? Yeah. That was weird. Because the, the, they also have, like, the iOS app. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it, like, so, did you guys play that Space Invaders rhythm game that they released for iOS? Uh, it was, or, like, a... Oh, something roller coaster. Uh, yeah, there is groove was, coaster. Yeah, yeah groove yeah. coaster. I remember liking that. Yeah, I yeah. think I still have that. On it was a good like iOS rhythm game, but it's that same. Just like, what the fuck is this music? Like, where? Yeah, like what? It like is this a thing that if I were Japanese, I would get <laughs> what was going on with this music, or is it just as weird in that context? Mm. Have Have you guys played Rhythm Heaven? No. There's a Rhythm Heaven game that just got released for. 3ds today apparently hmm. and i'm super excited about it it's a like rhythm heaven is a really neat series and it it it's one of those i i'm almost certain that if i were not musically inclined i just wouldn't get it at all because it really does require you to have a good sense of rhythm and and it's in and, and playing the game is a way to like the the way it works is that you play through these scenarios where it's teaching you rhythmic patterns and then um 
the final level in each scenario just requires that you that you have absorbed them all. And so you just go through all the these sequences where like it throws this okay, now this idea at you and you have to respond in kind. And it feels very much like um very much like playing music with somebody and like res- res- being responsive. Riff was is this the is this that game that you played that was like set in a high school or whatever and you're like swiping different directions. Thinking of elite beat agents. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. That might be what you're thinking of, although that's not a very not good a high description school. of elite beat <laughs> agents. Well, elite beat agents. I think I'm sure it had a high school level. Yeah. Also, probably. the the Japanese version of it was that's even that's weirder, and that you were I was uh, you were, yeah that was yeah, the one I played where you were instead of like this Blues Brothers like band. You were a Japanese cheerleading squad that cheerleading showed on squad. to cheer people on. So, oh, okay. so, that, so I that's, that's why I thought of it. Yeah. That, I think that's they why I thought like it was a high, high school. Yeah, they, they weren't like high school cheerleading squad. They were like emergency cheerleading squad. Okay. Or if, if you were in trouble, <laughs> right. if you had any kind of they would weird just problem, yeah, they'd just appear yeah. and cheer you okay. on to victory. <laughs> I like that way better than the one that came over here. Oh, yeah. I, never, I didn't know that. The music was way better, too. Uh, in, what was, that? What was the Japanese version called? It's called Os Tatake Owendan. Owendan. Okay, that was the. You been playing anything, Mike? Uh, yeah, I've been playing this really weird iOS thing called Traption Bakery. Ooh. Um, I'm playing on an iPad. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine that's gigantic and it's all line drawings, and you sort of zoom in and you can scroll around, and eventually you find letters you can pull and such, and then you find little bits of instructions and text. And one of them says, like, hey, all the bakers are gone. We need someone to make three stones worth of bread. And you have to figure out how do you take this gigantic machine right now. And, and make bread <laughs> out of it. And, like, there's the flag you can raise to bring in the truck full of wheat. But then you have to figure out, like, how do you funnel the wheat down to the mill? It's like you're like you're diving into this alien world and figuring out, like, what how does this machine interact and work? And it's amazing. really cool. Oh, it looks great too. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's what, got this what? weird, like it's 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 a like photorealistic view of like a living room, and it's a like hung on the wall, and you're zooming into this picture frame. What platform is this again? Um, I'm playing it on iOS. I don't know if there's an Android build. Okay. Traption machine. Traption, Traption bakery. bakery. Traption All baker. one word. Like one word, like, but yeah. like not camel case. The one where the first letter is also capitalized. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, does camel ca- do, do we not count the camel's head as being? Yeah, no, the camel's head is separate from the lump. Cam- camel's head is not uppercase. I see. It's because it's eating. <laughs> it's, well, it's like, I think it's because it's, it's a pearl thing. It just doesn't have a proper name, as opposed to like if snake you, cases python. If you named the camel, then you would capitalize the first letter. <laughs> oh wait, is it camel? <laughs> is it because there's a camel in the pearl? I think I think pearl is all okay. about camels. Mm. Was that somebody posted a tweet that was like, if O'Reilly wrote nature books and it was like a book about koalas and it was just like a a screenshot of like a DNS config file. (laughs) (laughs) I forget what the koala one was. Was the koala one like the basic system administration, like basic Unix system administration book? Ah, man. No no systems administrators in this room. (laughs) Not anymore. Yeah, I've been traveling a lot, so mostly that. Uh, also, been playing a bit of TIS 100 and whatever the nice. human resources management oh, strategy. Oh, human resource machine. Yeah, so I'm, I'm working on like an assembly one. game. So yeah. trying to see 
how other get the landscape. Right. I, I I like TIS one hundred a lot in in theory, but it it went outside the realm of my abilities pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I kind of didn't understand why my solution to the second or third problem worked, and I felt like that was going to be too much of a handicap. That so you solved it, but you I solved it, but it didn't do. It wasn't working the way that I expected it to, and I couldn't hmm. figure out how to make it work the way that I expected it to. And so I was like, ah, there's something I'm just not getting about the way that timing works on this. And I I worried that it was going to become important, so I was like, I need to spend some more time on this. And uh, that's how, that's how I felt at the end of Hack and Slash, where I like beat the game, but I didn't understand how because I, I had fucked around so long and hard and was just baffled man i played a i played like half an hour today of warhammer total war okay and i had not how many many wars can you fit in one title just those two i guess it's i'd never played a total war game before it's basically like a real-time strategy game where you have like thousands of units what whoa and it's real it's just there's there's like a really crunchy turn-based strategy layer and then the battles are played out in this like gigantic scale real-time strategy you can skip the real-time strategy yeah, stuff right yeah you can just auto resolve those battles which i'm i'm Wait, definitely what? interested in doing yeah if you're just into the turn-based yeah, stuff yeah if you're just into the strategy game you can just play the strategy game and like you'll do better than the auto resolve if you know what you're doing but boy i don't so <laughs> right it's man it's like it, i i am not i think that you are limited by some attribute of your character in how many units you're allowed to issue orders to. And the units are like, this is 150 skeletons in a formation, (laughs) right? And you can move them and there's like a different thing for moving them in formation versus just go wherever you want. Little skeletons. Um, man, it's, I, I, was never really sure which guys were mine and which guys were the enemies, which makes it pretty difficult to can you out. can you just be one skeleton? And if so, can you also just be like one rib on a skeleton? Can you, you can just be you can just be Jack Black. Uh, if, you, if you're trying to be all the skeletons, you're just not playing it right. right. What you need to do is be Jack Black and run around yelling at the skeletons. Yeah. What to do. Man, that's gotta suck to be one of the like maybe hundreds of people on the team making this real-time strategy game that players can just skip. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it speaks well to the developers to be confident enough in, like, the other half of the game to, like, yeah, yeah you could just skip this part. Can you skip the strategy half and just do the RTS Just half? keep clicking. I would imagine there's, like, a, a mode for that, yeah. I don't know. Or, or that's unconscionable. And if you suggest that that's a thing that you should be able to do on Twitter, everyone should pillory <laughs> Everybody you. hates you, yeah. So uh, you're, you're suggesting playing Warhammer Incomplete War. Yeah, Warhammer <laughs> Partial War. Partial yeah. War. Uh, I also played Fitzpackerton, which is just like this little five-minute game that uh, Teddy Deef and some other people made where it's Are you just, just loading a truck? You're just putting stuff into stuff. Stuff it's, into stuff. Yeah, it's like... I, Brendan Chung also worked on it to some extent. I don't know. That might have just been some, like, tech that was borrowed or whatever. It's it. It's just a little vignette. It takes five minutes. I liked it. I don't regret 
paying a little bit of money for that little art project. Um, it's about putting stuff in stuff and then you move on and put some other stuff in some other stuff. That's <laughs> uh, good. There's some funny objects. <laughs> the things that you're doing are kind of funny. Um, I think I wrote down something else that I played, but I don't remember what it was or where I wrote it down. Oh, it's on this piece of paper right here. Oh, yeah. I played about uh, 20 minutes of SteamWorld Heist because it came out on steam ha <laughs> uh it seems real good yeah yeah i really really liked steam world dig yeah. like that's the only game that yeah. i ever like really played a lot of on the 3ds yeah i, I like that game too and when i saw that this was an entirely different kind of game i was just eh. Wait, what kind of game that's, is it so world heist is like a sort of XCOM, but in a platformer huh it's X-com? you know what it is it's like worms okay like well, how are XCOM and Worms the same game? <laughs> you just have it like you take turns moving and you like go, you move a certain amount and then you can shoot or not. Okay, you know, sure. It's like just tur- Worms is a lot more analog. SteamWorld Heist is they're definitely like you're moving a number of spaces on the on the board and like you you know if you move too far you can't shoot that turn and that kind of thing and is it like worms where you can only move one person each turn no you move your whole team okay. and then and then the bad guys all get to move um this really it seems really charming it seems like s- simple but like some it seems like maybe there are some randomly generated environments or at least hmm. it says it's generating the environments you're <laughs> it's kind of like duskers i guess where you're flying around to different spaceships that you're salvaging but then there's all these like skeleton robots on them that you can then shoot it's pretty good okay you can shoot the hats off of dudes nice yeah can you do that in west of loathing no we'd propose this whole system where you could shoot the hats off of guys and maybe you'd get a hat (laughs) from doing that but it would have a hole in it. <laughs> we could probably still we could probably still make it happen. I mean, the hats are... I mean, it could be a one-off event. That would be fine. The hats are separate. A hat QT. It, it well, could, it could be just, just be like a skill that lets you shoot the hat off a guy. There could be a, a vendor that you go to where you play a hat shooting minigame. Mm. We talked about a specific bullet, a specific kind of bullet that you could use to... That was a hat-stealing <laughs> A hat-seeking missile. Shoot the, shoot hat the hat seeking. off uh, the guy and then it would... Oh, hat-seeking. That's real good. Oh, that's great. That is really good. Wait, who did? It sounds like no one on this podcast. Who did you talk to about this? The hat stealing bullet. I think I put it in a one of the brainstorming documents that nobody ever reads. Okay, for me that makes sense. I mean, I read everybody else's, but nobody ever reads mine. I mean, they know I'm just going to use all my ideas. Oh, so I did play this week also. Uh, Lost front, last frontier, lost frontier, something like that. It's a it starts out as Wild West Advance Wars on your phone. And then it gets really weird. And there are vampires and werewolves and a day and night cycle. Oh, I came really close to buying this and playing it. But then I looked at it and it looked like there were way too many units on the screen for me to be able to enjoy it. So Yeah, it gets, it gets brutally difficult pretty quickly. If that turns out to be Frog Fractions 2, you should let me know. Yeah. <laughs> What's also super aggravating is they have, like, an Advance Wars style. There are different super units you can pick, and each of them has their own mission set, which appears to be the exact same missions. 
So if you don't like the first guy you chose, have fun replaying everything. Uh, <laughs> well, should we talk about the assignment? Dangerous golf. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. It was a pretty good tech demo. So I, I really, I was really enjoying this game up until it asked me to be good at the game. Mm. So when does it ask you to be good at the game? Well, I, I just played like six or seven levels and yeah. you got, eventually start failing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. That's the. Oh yeah. No. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you and don't then get retries new until you've gotten a bronze at least. I would have been a. I would have been so much more forgiving of this if it hadn't had. If I hadn't spent like probably two thirds of my time with this game just waiting for loading screens. Yeah. Where mm. fuck do you not need loading screens to go back to the goddamn main menu? <laughs> like it's infuriating. Uh, Restarting the existing level, minute long load time. Yep. Like it's uh, better than that on the PS4. Really. That's yeah. like that it's is so the opposite the of normal. It's, like it's still pretty long. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. It, it it did not seem like, so. This game has the attitude of like a dad trying to be edgy. <laughs> like it reads like a snowboarding game from two thousand one, but it's not like it's not in on the joke <laughs> the items would be weirder and funnier if it was like i it's just like rooms and museums or yeah, whatever it's, it, it's only in like the menus and the presentation that this like has that the that like weird snowboard punk, game, punk aesthetic yeah, yeah like that's the only time there's music really but also like, like showing you the challenge they're playing cards was it like, like I didn't play the game. I watched a little bit of video footage, and it looked like well, every time you started a level, they would show cards. you the, they would show you the two cards. Sometimes yeah. more as 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 levels go on, more. Yeah, cards but like, is is there a thematic coherency for why there are playing cards on the screen? No. I, I think they just thought it was cool. Yeah, this. like the text has got to be somewhere. Kids love golf and playing cards. Yeah, Kevin loved this game because of its golf theming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, I, I leave for a week and you guys choose... Do you, do you have a thing about golf games? Yes. He just has a thing about golf. Well, so, yeah. So, I grew up... I grew up and uh, my... A significant portion of my, like, family's life re revolved around golf. And really? I mm. uh, could not get into it. I tried for years to, like, to enjoy golf and I just never could. Kevin's dad only cares about golf. Yeah. Like... Did to and to to an extent where I wish it was a joke, but it's actually really depressing, and I feel really bad for Kevin. Yeah. So the, the fact did, that I did not play golf meant that I did you that my dad and I just have nothing in common. Did you try putt putt golf? Yes. It's it's. Is fine. your dad like super averse to putt putt golf because he like thinks it's like that's your chance to rebel? Is you you're into this? <laughs> like I become a world class putt putt golf. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, you get really good at playing ping pong, but with golf balls. Like, <laughs> Look at me, Dad. Dang. Uh, with golf balls and golf clubs, that'd be really impressive. <laughs> oh, man, jeez, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I don't know that I've ever played miniature golf with my dad. He's too busy playing regular golf. Yeah, he plays at least eighteen holes. That day. said, he's like a hundred and fifty years old and looks fifty. <laughs> That's true. I don't know how old your dad is. It's all He's that like moderate 80. exercise. Is eighty? Yeah, he is not eighty. He is seventy. Okay, 
though. And he, yeah, he looks... He's a real healthy-looking dude. He's extremely healthy-looking, yeah. He gets a lot of exercise, because he, he always walks. He doesn't, like, take a cart or anything. He gets a lot of lucrative golf sponsorships. Sure. I feel like nobody, like, if golfers were really into golf, they would run to the ball instead of walking or taking a, <laughs> like, if they were really that excited to be playing this game. Like, they'd want to play it sooner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's why the, the 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 serious ones get those carts, because that'll let them go faster than they can walk. D- I never really understood when or what kind of agency I had in like, this game. Oh, and the, yeah. Yeah. No, like, it's, it's, it just it, seems so random. And so I, 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 if you look at the, the how to play, the, there's instructions in the settings menu or something. Like, okay. and it, it breaks it down into, there's the, the, your, your first, uh, stroke. Like, it, you use it to earn smash mode or smash breaker mode. And, like, I, th- think the number that's counting down is the number of physical object you've yeah, destroyed. I didn't figure that out during my playthrough, but I did find that out later. Incidentally, right. I recorded that playthrough and it's if you want to watch me play, if you want to watch a bunch it, of loading screens. Yeah, if you want to watch me looking at if you want to listen to me mumbling about loading screens for an hour, it's it's on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I should have I should have recorded the installation process. Yeah, that that would have yeah, that's the real let's play. Yeah, no kidding. Uh once you if, Do, if you, you don't in that initial shot, are you doing anything except choosing the direction I don't that the shot think goes so. in? So you do, on, you can see, choose to shoot backwards and rebound the ball off the TV screen. <laughs> I think really that good. is your only choice. Well, so you shoot with the sticks on the PS4, right? Yeah, are you PC too? Are you I imparting don't... velocity? I think it just I could never max figure velocity. It out. I I, yeah. I don't think there's any. I I think it does not give you any control over the power behind your hit, unlike every other golf game, because right. there's no reason ever to be not using full power. There is a button to do a soft t- A soft hut, yeah. Yeah. But that's it. That I also never figured shots. out whether putting just randomly determined whether the ball went in the hole or... I Yeah, like, I remember not really aiming... And it would just go in, and that happened like four or five times. And I assumed it was just like, okay, it's you just gonna... always sink the putt. But then sometimes you don't. Yeah, sometimes you, you yeah. don't. Sometimes you miss putts that seem like they should have been easy, and sometimes you make putts that are impossible. I like missed a putt once, and it ricocheted off two walls and went straight in the hole. Did you get a bunch yeah. of trick shot points? Uh, yeah, I got a few. Yeah. Once, I'm pretty sure what happened is that my so. So I actually I want to finish talking about the flow of this game. Yeah. You your first shot you're supposed to build up your smash breaker or whatever. And your you second that, shot the, in this game is like it's a it's a golf ball on a pedestal in a museum. Yeah, you're trying like to like dining dis- room. You're trying to like destroy the uh, the art around you or the, or the, the, the all the nice things the precarious stack of situation. Of, yeah. Right. Of, champagne flutes or right if you successfully earn your smash breaker then you get a, a shot that you have some control over i think um i could never figure it out it's like sometime i if i just leaned on the joystick sometimes the ball would suddenly veer in the direction that i was leaning yeah, yeah. But i i the sense that i got was just it was just always imparting a small amount of acceleration um 
So you have some control over that. Because, I mean, it was supposed to be like the crash breaker in Burnout, right? But I don't... Is that the joke? But I feel like... In the name, I guess? I feel as though in Burnout, the joystick was always just putting a small amount of velocity on the car as it was slow motion flying around. And so you could just veer it a little bit to like, oh, I'm about to hit this guy. I'm going to move towards yeah, that, that guy that kind and of hit like it. That was. Yeah. it. Man, did I not... like? I would either have no effect or I would just make the ball suddenly veer 90 degrees in midair. Hmm. Right. Th- those seem to be my two options, I wonder except if it, I didn't get to pick which one of them I was doing. I wonder if it was at some threshold the camera moves. Right. So if you're imparting some like right hand thrust to it and then eventually it, the camera kicks around so that you're behind uh, it. Mm. And that was when you felt like you'd adjusted the flight path. Yeah. Um, after the smash breaker shot, there's a putting shot. Uh, if you don't earn their smash breaker, it just goes right to putt mode. So you get two shots. Yeah. Um, and if you don't get your putt, you just lose half your points. And, and the hole's over. And the, and either way, like you, and your goal is for each level is to get a certain number of points. So you don't advance in the game until you, until you meddle. Um, at one point, I think what happened was that my smash breaker went into the hole and I just got a couple of free shots. I just, it went back to the first, uh, round where I, I was earning another smash breaker. And that was, uh, I got a platinum medal that time. Nice. And it's just, it, it feels very much like it feels more random than Peggle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and it, it seems like it's trying for the same sort of like, you know, just, careening physics random stuff the cool things happening explosions everywhere and and jingles and and particles rewarding you visually uh that peggle is going for but it's just yeah it it it, i never felt like i was in any sort of control of the game i have played and enjoyed a lot of those flash games where you're like launching a hamster out of a catapult or whatever and then you just keep upgrading your shopping cart or whatever (laughs) and all it is is just you know just randomness that you have some control over and just making numbers get bigger and then using those numbers to make numbers get bigger and like I'm not like above that kind of game but man did this just not satisfy that yeah at all funny thing like i don't know if i have played any other 3d games that try to be that slot machine skinner boss dopamine rush type thing the goat simulator felt like there were things that you could set in motion and not have a lot of control over but But it didn't really have goals though right that's true yeah it it, it didn't have a score there were there were collectibles there were there were definitely like it felt to me was fundamentally about like explore this cool space and see what shit you can do getting all the achievements were the goals for me in goat simulator and i think they did come along with rewards yeah um well you and it actually did have a scoring system like tony hawk oh it was fucking weird you it you could manual um (laughs) to keep your combo going skid on skid on uh Rails or whatever. Grind, right. Grind on rails. Yep. As tall goat. Yep. <laughs> Three sixty impossible. Good. I really did want to put tall horse into West of Loathing where he was riding yeah. a giraffe the whole time, but it wasn't. 
You can have a. We're gonna unlock a tall horse. Yeah. Just make it so the head is always off screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that would. <laughs> that would definitely be how it worked. <laughs> What's our next assignment? Life is strange. Okay. It is a, I agree a, with you, Kevin, but what's our next assignment? <laughs> Patreon Patreon backer suggestion. We're going to at least play episode one, maybe more if you feel like you have time. Uh, yeah, next episode one will take you like two or three hours, is my recollection. Okay. Okay. And, and how long does the rest of it take? Uh, they're like all two or three hours, and There's I think there like are five, five of them. Episodes, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Uh, next week's episode will probably be at least a day late. Yeah, and a dollar short. Life is strange, guys. Life, yeah. is strange. Life is strange. You know what's not strange is the joy in our hearts when we think about our Patreon backers and how they make this podcast possible. Yeah, I got a lot of joy. You feel it? I do. Describe it. Uh, well, so every now and then I go back and I look at our Patreon page and like there's just more backers every time. And I don't understand. I don't understand how people continue to find us and think that they should support the stupid stupid podcast that we especially make. given that we don't have a video right or ever talk about video games right yeah anyway thank you so much to our patreon backers like seriously it's 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 unbelievable that that this is even a thing thanks to thanks to mike laser walker for joining us where, where yeah. can people find you on the internet if they want to find you on the internet mike? um i'm at laserwalker.com l-a-z-e-r or at laserwalker on twitter or any other social media service you might use you have, a, uh, you the, have a good suggestion list for iOS games, as I recall. Yeah. yeah. Is that linked to from your... Yeah, I think it's linked to from my website. Yeah. I think it's I also think... like laserwalker.com slash iOS dash games dash list. Okay. okay. Nice. Also, the, the most important question, that's your real name, right? Yeah. My, my mother is Laser and my father's Walker, and she didn't change her name. Good. Thanks, Riff, for joining us. Sure thing. Is that your real name? No, it's not Riff. <laughs> I mean, what's in a name? Well, define real. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 246 of Video Games Hot Dog with you guys, and I hope we do it again real soon. Except for you, Mike. (laughs) You're not going to be here next week. Not that you wouldn't be welcome. Uh, And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And until you do, Jim, what should they do? Um, Have a nice day. Be excellent to one another. Oh, right. Have a nice day, man. (laughs) Or, Or other gender. Don't have a cow, man. Or bull. You're, it's got to be five words. Five words or five syllables? D- don't have a cow, person. Shit. Don't have a cowboy. <laughs> did, did you just explode? I just I just accidentally knocked something over on my desk. You better, <laughs> so go, you a cow person. You better go handle that, Riff. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. And listeners, have a great week, everyone. <laughs> Good night. Good night. I I worked for a little while at a place. It wasn't a Goodwill, but it was a Goodwill-like organization in uh, Ohio. And I, I was, like, working in a warehouse that was just completely stacked with burlap sacks full of clothes that people had donated. And my job was to, using a knife slice open the necktie that was used to to tie one of these bags shut and 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 dump dump the contents out onto a long table where old ladies were sorting through the clothes seeing what was sellable and what wasn't and my job was to just do that as fast as i possibly could 
and the ladies would like pick through their clothes and they had a basket that they'd toss the good looking stuff into and everything else just got shoved down the length of the table into like a pit at the end of the table that had like a giant garbage crusher hooked up to it and it when the pit was full they'd just run this thing and it would compress like these clothes into just this giant brick of clothing that I I understand, but I don't know if this is true or not, that I understand that they ship to Africa. 